Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to Painting Pictures. I am Gabriel Roberts, and this is a podcast supposedly about universal juice, but it's mostly about whatever I happen to be dealing with when Monday rolls around and it's time to poop out a podcast. Um, in this case, today's episode features an interview with um, an Italian author. It's kind of a brief interview, but um, I think you'll enjoy it. I want to give you all a few updates from the trail. Um, I'm I'm counting down the days to departure on my magical my magical journey. I'm heading off for the summertime. I have ordered numerous things on Amazon, like a a a butane stove, which apparently you can get canisters for at a Chinese market. So I'm really excited about that. Instead of paying $12 online, I can go to a Chinese grocery store and buy them for 4 or $5. Those places are always uh, interesting. I don't know if you've ever been to a, a Chinese grocery store, but produce from China. It's the kind of thing that at first seems too good to be true. And that's because it is. Um... You don't know where that produce is coming from. And a half pound of garlic should not cost 25 cents. It, it, it shouldn't. Their food should cost, um, you know, a reasonable, a reasonable amount, a decent amount. And if you're paying far, far, far less than that, uh, you might not want to eat it. All right? You just might not want to eat it. So I'm in the uh, I'm in the tool shed this morning because I don't want to wake my dear sweet sleeping mama in the next room, and I'm I've gotten up early so that I can I can put this podcast out, and uh, I'm tired. I'm a little sleepy because I stayed up late interviewing this Italian guy, but I'm grateful for this moment right now. I woke up and the first thing that entered my mind was, ah, oh, fuck, I'm tired. Oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, I got to put that podcast out. Oh, I got to build the art cart today, which is what's on the docket for Tuesday. I'm going to build a, a mobile painting vehicle with my paps. Then I thought, I'm so grateful for this day. And for this morning, and for this opportunity, it's a beautiful morning. Summer mornings are so sweet because they're already warm enough that you can stroll outside and feel comfortable, but there's that little bit of coolness in the air, a little bit of a breeze. And where normally I might put on a sweatshirt and a couple pairs of socks and some long underwear and some jeans, I'm just in shorts and t-shirt because I'm going to let my little body get as cool as it can in anticipation of the coming warmth, the coming warmth of the day. The pint, Junior, the pint is gratitude. I know you've heard it before, and I know maybe sometimes 
you know, your Tuesday is a little grimmer than than building uh, something with your dad in in a woodshed. Sometimes your Tuesday involves more unpleasant activities, but I bet that deep down you are truly grateful. And anything could happen today, folks. Anything could happen. Let's try to remember that, all right? Let's not wake up and collapse the possibility of, of our day. Let's let's expand it. Let's open it up. All right? Can you hear those magpies? They are the most obnoxious birds. Which brings me to the flora and fauna update. Uh, I think the magpie squawking is an appropriate introduction for that. So, as many of you know, I live in a suburban Sacramento, and we have uh, about a third of an acre here. And there's all sorts of activity, and, and I just want to update you on, a, on the, the fauna, which means animals. Well, the magpies are really picking up their, their tune. These are yellow-billed magpies, which are very rare, apparently. Uh, doesn't make them any less obnoxious. In fact, they're they're extremely obnoxious. They're squawkers. They are, um, how you say, quarrelsome. They're very quarrelsome birds. They seem to enjoy arguing with each other and squawking at each other. And uh, they're 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 attractive birds. You know, they're jaunty. They're they're brightly colored, clean black and white, yellow bills, um, nice plumage. Really, really nice plumage on these birds. But they have nested in the palm trees in, here in our backyard, and they've also nested a couple houses down in, in one of the big trees. And uh, anyway, they go back and forth squawking. Speaking of nests, my dear, darling, sweet, precious morning dove is giving it a third go. Some of you may recall I described how a morning dove had made a nest above the uh, doorway to the room my sister's staying in, and this nest had been violently attacked by an evil scrub jay. And I witnessed this dive bomb, and for about a week after the incident, the morning dove was not sitting on her nest, so presumably she'd given up, uh, left the egg if there was an egg, or perhaps she hadn't laid an egg. Well, then, um, after a period of time, she gave it another go and was again to be found precious as a little angel with her smooth, kind of warm, pinky tan color and shiny little black eye sitting uh, on the nest. And it made me so happy, and, I, and she was also um, hopping about or walking about with her little orange feet, picking up nesting materials. Well, I installed a piece of welded wire fabric to protect this nest because we'd been hearing a creature on the roof, a large creature scrabbling around on the roof, and there's there aren't a lot of ways to get up to the roof and, and the way that, that we presumed it was going was up by my sister's bedroom 
it was jumping up on the air conditioning unit and then climbing up, and that goes right by the nest. So I was concerned about the morning dove. I figured it was a raccoon. I put this piece of fabric there. I didn't, I didn't go all the way in terms of securing it, but I figured it would be enough of a deterrent. Well, apparently one night when I was gone, uh, my sister heard the thud of the thing climbing up on the air conditioning, and then she heard it scrabbling up, and she said it, it didn't make it to the roof. But that morning, the next morning, uh, they went outside, my mom and sister, and found a little egg on the ground, broken. And the morning dove was nowhere to be found. And I almost cried hearing that story because I had I had made an effort towards preventing the very thing that ended up happening. And my efforts were in vain. And I could have just taken it a little further and really secured that somehow or spiked it or stayed up all night with a shotgun over my lap protecting the dove. And I didn't. Anyhow, um, then past a good three weeks, I would say, at least two weeks, until last week I noticed that the dove was back again, and she's giving it a third go, people. She's giving it a third go. Same precious angel baby dove sitting on the nest. And... I had a dream, a very vivid dream about protecting this dove from scrub jays. And now I've I've declared that area of the yard a no scrub jay fly zone. So if I see them landing over there, hopping around around there under the nest, I go and I scare them off. <clears throat> and the little dove just kind of sits there and blinks at me in her approval. Anyway, I'm so preoccupied over this dove and the possibility of baby doves, which I've never seen, that I even dreamed about it. And it was one of those dreams that you have a feeling lasts the whole night. Of course, you don't really know. But in my dream, I, I could um, I could fly a little bit. And it was the same situation. The dove was making a nest in this perch and I kept looking over and seeing scrub jays up there messing about and I would go up and shoo them away and at one point I was like f chasing one way off to another tree and flying after it and then I looped back around and I saw there was a couple more like sitting by the nest and I came at them and I it's weird it was like I was uh hanging on something that was allowing me to fly and I swung I swung my feet down and I punted the scrub jay off of the shelf and it went flying and it I, I guess I must have hit it hard or it somehow it couldn't fly in the air and it smacked into the ground <laughs> really hard <coughs> it was like struggling for its life and so then I, I took a big rock and I crushed it to put it out of its misery uh, so it's pretty intense. I think I would kill. I think I would kill a scrub jay to protect this morning dove and her potential babies. And then in the dream, I got to see the the baby doves because the eggs hatched. There were two of them. Oh man, they're cute. They are cute. Uh, what else? Orange dragonflies. Bright orange dragonflies. Gorgeous, gorgeous creatures. Shiny, really orange. Uh, sort of metallic. 
I don't know if I've ever seen them before, but now here I'm I'm documenting this summer 2014. I see them. I'm sure I've seen them, but I don't know if I've seen them in this yard before. They're really cool. I don't know what dragonflies do. I know nothing about dragonflies. Then what else we got? Uh, I, this one you're going to laugh at. Have you ever seen a wild turkey? They're hilarious. They are absolutely hilarious. They appear to be made by God specifically to cause us great joy by looking at them and, and then, of course, eating them. They're delicious. Well, there are wild turkeys about. Um, never seen one in suburban Carmichael <laughs> until yesterday, Sunday night, Monday night, two nights ago. Out in the backyard, strutting along the lawn in the heat of the evening, was a wild turkey, a, a lady turkey, just checking things out, checking things out, having a look around at the old 3720 backyard, seeing what's good. Her, her, her mouth, her head sort of stretched forward, her mouth open, and her chin gobble area, like, uh, flapping in and out, which I think is how they cool themselves. Um, hopping along, my sister, brother, mother, and I kind of freak out. My mom got some pictures. Uh, Miles said something about how she looks thirsty because she's doing that thing with her throat. <laughs> and so my sister filled up a, bo a, a bowl of water, filtered water, to take out to Miss Turkey. Uh, my mom was concerned about the turkey eating the garden. I said, she can have as much as she wants. <laughs> because how often you get a turkey back in your yard, you know? I, we're kind of thinking, like, what do, you know, what do we do? What do we do? Do we try to catch it, take it to the park, you know, down by the river where, where its family is? But um, shortly, it... it it hopped up on our straw bales and, and poked around in the yard. <laughs> and then it hopped up on the roof of a little plastic storage shed, using its wings for a dramatic and really difficult-looking 5 to 10 feet of flight. And then standing up there <laughs> looking around at us, it jumped on down to the neighbor's yard, continued its rounds. I have no idea what happened to that turkey, but... Boy, what a blessing. All right. Um, I better get this intro wrapped up. And I, I just want to give you all an update on my summer. This Friday, I leave. I take off for Paonia, Colorado. I'll be doing a residency at the Elsewhere Studios. I know really next to nothing about uh, Colorado besides there are great big mountains. And this program, besides that I am going to be living in a tiny little uh, cottage called the Gingerbread House off the back of the main house, and I'm hopefully going to meet some really interesting artists. There will be five or six of them. Uh, they'll be there for the whole month. There'll be 
artists, writers, and musicians, or some some combination of of those. So, needless to say, I am extremely excited. I am. Uh, it's sort of a strange thing getting ready for something like this because I almost I'm almost paralyzed by having uh, you know a week or 10 days or however long that I've been counting down all these things that I want to do and, and, and need to do, but kind of just ready for it to be the night before I have to go so that I can stop thinking about uh, what I should do to prepare and just start throwing things in my car and then drive away the next day. But uh, I am, I am, I am relatively prepared. I'm prepared to camp. I'm prepared to paint. And I am so excited. So I had said in, in my April update that the plan was to then come back to Sacramento for July. That is no longer the plan. The plan is to stretch out the summertime and this trip as long and far as I possibly can. And what I'm thinking now is to spend the time while it's warm in the Pacific Northwest. So I'm thinking about, of course, other places in Colorado going to visit, and then maybe making my way up to Montana, where I, I used to live for, for a brief period of time. Um, you know, Yellowstone National Park, haven't been there since I was a wee child. Glacier National Park, I've heard, is, is beautiful. Um, maybe swing into a little bit of Canada. Maybe go to Vancouver. Who knows? Seattle, Portland. Um, so that's the plan. If you are in that area or know anybody in that area um, that wants to do the podcast, wants to host me, wants to talk about art, let me know. Shoot me an email. The email address is Gabe Roberts Art G A B E R O B E R T S A R T at gmail.com. Lastly, if you would like to support the podcast, please visit GabeRobertsArt.com and click on the support page. I've got a link there to some Etsy items for sale, some paintings. Those I'm going to have to take down before too long because I'm not really going to be equipped to be uh, shipping and fulfilling orders while I'm on the trip. But uh, if you want to place an order in the next week or two, I think I can, well, until near the end of June, I, I can arrange for somebody to make the delivery and uh, send you a painting or a little drawing. And you can help me uh, in my in my travels this summer. <clears throat> Thank you for those of you who have purchased items and sent me support and mostly thank you for listening to my gibberish and the wildly fluctuating quality of this audio adventure. I intend to continue this adventure and I intend to continue uh, developing, I don't know, whatever this is, this particular brand of humor, comedy. Uh, I really enjoy this form of expression and to know that some of you are are out there listening and just 
it makes me feel really good. So thanks for that. Let's get this podcast started. This um, interview, again, it's not very long, but I think you'll enjoy it. The guest is named Mucho Poopy. Is actually his name. His name is Mucho Poopy. He's an Italian author. He just wrote a book. Um, I was able to interview him briefly um, in Sacramento, actually. Uh, it's a long story, how we met, etc., etc. But anyway, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, I think you'll enjoy this interview. So, without further ado, please welcome uh, Italian author, journalist, uh, adventurer, pooper, Mucho Poopy. Welcome, welcome, sir. Thank you very much for uh, thank you very much for being on the show. Buonasera, ciao. Um, your name, as our listeners know, your name is is Mucho Poopy. See, si. is that correct? See, si, mi chiamo Mucho Poopy. See, si. okay, and 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 where are you from? Io sono italiano. Uh, io sono di Napoli. Okay. I've never been, but I I hear it's I hear it's beautiful. Si, si, è bello, è bello. So, if you don't mind my asking, um, where uh, where does that name where does that name come from? Bene, che io un giorno in one in one day io faccio I make. Come cinque, sei o sette pupi. I un giorno. That's okay. So that's that is unusual. That is, yeah. For you know, a good day, a good day for me is two, maybe. But I guess more often than not, it's it's just one. Um, how? Do you do you know why you 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 have so many um, bowel movements in a day? Bene, non sai perché che io per la mattina and in the morning quando mi sveglio sveglio when I uh, wake up uh, faccio pupi. E bene, dopo si bevo il caffè, uh, capisci, to, dr- uh, to drink uh, ca- coffee, faccio pupi, mm, bene, e dopo si come un, un panino, no, un panino de, de prosciutto, mm, Faccio pupi, normale, o dopo si, si come un, 
un, un pasta, no? un pasta, un spaghetti, uh, faccio pupi, normale, o si, non se si bevo un, un vino, no? un, un vaso di vino, uh, faccio pupi, normale, che, che un giorno, in uh, one day, 5, 6, 7, 8 pupi. Normale. Normale. I see. I see. Have you ever um, gone to the doctor to, to find out about this? Sì, io ho andato al dottore, al medico, e gli ha detto che dottore che cosa... Che cosa passa che io un giorno faccio come 5, 6 o 7 pupi? E bene, il medico mi ha dato che, che faccio un giorno, uh, one day, uh, senza fumare di sigaretta. E il dottore dice, I make one day. Uh, no to smoke cigarette. Capisci? No, senza fumare. Bene. Io no problem, eh? Senza problema. Io, io non fumare. Io, io faccio un giorno senza fumare sigarette e faccio dolici pupi. Dolici pupi. Oh, goodness, that... Oh. <laughs> So 12, you had 12, uh, 12 poops without, without smoking. Sì. That's, that's interesting. Sì, è andato al, al dottore di nuovo e ha detto che, dottore, che passa che io non, non fumare sigarette mi faccio l'orici pupi, che cosa? Bene, il medico mi ha detto che faccio un giorno... Senza, senza mangiare di frutta. Senza, capisci di frutta come uh, la, la frutta, come un, la uva o un arance, no? La frutta. Bene, un giorno io, no problem, corretto, rispettoso, io non mangiare frutta. Io un giorno... Senza mangiare frutta, I, no to eat fruit, no problem. I, 25 pupi, 25 pupi a questo giorno. 25? Sì. 25 poops, <laughs> Jesus. That's terrible, that, that must have been, that must have been sì. rough. Sì, muy fuerte, che pupi che mi duele, capisci? Non sono pupi bambino, pupi grosso. Well, um, so I understand that, that you've written a book. Sì. Um, your book is called Mucho Pupi, Living with Mucho Pupi. Sì. Uh, what, what, is your, what is your book about? Bene, il libro... Su come vivere con molto pupi. Mm, cosa mangiare, cosa non mangiare.
Right. So I I guess sounds like uh, smoking cigarettes and 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 eating fruit are things you should do. <laughs> Am I right? Este no es un cierto. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, que, I I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to offend you. I, I'm sorry. Avete alcun respeto? Devo andarme. Uh, well, could you just stay maybe and answer a couple? I just have a couple more questions, if you could. Devo andarme al bagno. Oh, I, I understand. Andare a faccia pupi. Okay. Well, thank thank you thank you for your time and 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 good you know good luck with everything good luck with the book. Grazie. Okay. Okay, ciao, ciao. Ciao. I just saw a wonderful... Two-hour advertisement for Twitter called Chef. That's right. It's a movie. I paid ten dollars and fifty cents to watch a, an advertisement for Twitter and also uh, Facebook and also Vine. So apparently, these companies are uh, don't mind all being in the same movie together. They um they 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 got John Favreau to play the the lead, and the story is about how his success with a food truck is fueled by social media. It's really well and deeply woven into the story. And it'd be one thing if there were um you know some little product placements here and there. Those I can handle because they're obviously ads. For example, John Leguizamo at the bar, excited to see John Favreau walking in, says to the barman, drinks, come on, get us some drinks. Something, what does he say? Something top shelf, uh, something exquisite, something quality. I don't know. He says something good, kettle one which is a kind of vodka. Just slip that in there real nice. But that's an obvious ad, you know? And it's over and done with in a matter of seconds. T- Twitter, on the other hand, is woven through the entire movie. The first time I've seen the this little graphic trick is on the TV show House of Cards, where Kevin Spacey's texting Kate Mara, and we see a shot of Kevin Spacey from far away, Actually, it's Claire, his wife, that's texting him. And you see him pull out his phone and a little speech bubble appears on the screen with the words from the text. It's pretty clever. Well, this movie is full of those little speech bubbles, except they're more than just speech bubbles. They're perfect, gorgeous little images of a tweet, complete with the Twitter logo, some hashtags, some ats. And they're popping up all over the place. And then get this. When they send a tweet, a little bird, a little blue bird flutters across the screen. And someone <laughs> someone said something about, <laughs> Joe said, let's would have been great to see that movie in 3D because those little Twitter birds could be flying at you. You could almost touch them. 
this sort of shit is is despicable. It's it's weaving it in so far. It's saying, look, social media, Twitter, is so much a part of our culture that you can handle seeing it being advertised throughout the whole movie because it's not an advertisement. All we're doing is showing that in real life people use Twitter. But I'm there to see a movie. You know, I'm not there to see an advertisement for Twitter. And it's not a movie about Twitter. It's a movie supposedly about a chef and his love of food and him finding his passion. But the movie had so little of that. And perhaps John Favreau, who I had respected up to this point, a great movie called Swingers, perhaps he set out to make a movie whereby he got to show off his love of food. He had some great knife skills he showed off. I have no doubt that he's a legitimate cook. And I think that the story had some potential in that it was about breaking free of an owner that didn't let him cook the way he wanted to cook. But all I could think about was the goddamn Twitter graphics and Vine graphics and Sophie Vergara, who's playing her exact same modern family character, on the phone saying, oh, where are you guys? And going on online in a shot of her scrolling down a beautiful little Facebook timeline. And I just wonder, how much did Facebook pay for that? And how much did Twitter pay for that? And at what point did John Favreau get down on his knees and suck the big cock of Twitter and Facebook and Vine? And at what point did Dustin Hoffman and Robert Downey Jr., who have cameo roles in this movie also get down and suck the big Twitter and Facebook cock. That's what I want to know. I'd like to see movies that are made about things that people care about and have heart in them and have some shred of reality. This was some piece of shit cobbled together the way many Hollywood movies are where we have chosen the certain scenes that we want to see. We want to see the triumphant montage of them cleaning out an old food truck. We want to see the, the triumphant montage of them making the way, their way across the country and slinging Cuban sandwiches. And so let's just figure a way to string all of these scenes together. And let's show, throw in a cameo from Robert Downey Jr. and from Dustin Hoffman. And people will walk away satisfied. Well, I walked away feeling empty. I walked away wishing I hadn't spent 10 and 50 on it. <clears throat> if I'd wanted to look at nice images of food, I would have watched a fucking cooking show. And I, I, it really would have been better to just donate $10.50 to Twitter. Because that's basically... And, and, and uh, who, how is this happening? Who, who is the representative of Twitter this, that is sleezing his way in and helping Jon Favreau make the movie and figuring out the best possible ways to squeeze that in? Not, there wasn't only Facebook, Twitter, Vine. There was also a reference to Tosh.0. There was uh, plenty of advertisements for YouTube. All these things that we're supposed to forget are companies trying to squeeze money out of their employees and anywhere they can to give their investors the biggest return.
We're supposed to forget that and think instead, oh, these are just part of life. Facebook and Twitter are just part of life and they're not companies. This isn't an advertisement. I can't buy Facebook. I can't go about and buy Twitter. So what are we really doing here? We're just slamming the shit down our culture's throat and forcing its way in there so that we forget that these are companies that are just trying to make money. And that whole movie is one long extended advertisement. What a piece of shit, piece of shit movie. I fortunately was able to rescue my mom and my sister from seeing this movie because they came to see the show after the one I saw with some friends. And as I was leaving the parking lot of the movie, I saw them pulling in. I thought it was maybe some sort of strange crack in the matrix and that I had just made up the fact that 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 was their car. But I circled around and sure enough, it was them and they were on their way to see the movie. And of course they asked me how it was and I couldn't honestly say that it was great. And so um, we went and got Pinkberry instead. And there was some kid walking to the movie theater that was walking a little bit behind my mom and my sister and sort of witnessed the whole exchange of me pull up beside them and say something to them and then them get in the car and he was kind of smiling at me, wondering wondering what just happened. That's what I do, folks. I go and I rescue people from seeing terrible movies and wasting their time. There were also some real stupid, inexplicable things that didn't add up in this movie. For example, Chef is pissed because Dustin Hoffman, the owner of his restaurant, doesn't let him cook what he wants to cook. And there's a food critic coming that he wants to impress with a new menu. And he quits because Dustin Hoffman won't let him make his new menu. He wants him to make the old menu. So John Favreau storms out and he goes and he buys all the food that he was going to cook. And there's a montage of him making this delicious multi-course dinner in his apartment. At the same time, the food critic is at the restaurant and he's being served the menu of uh, that John Favreau didn't want to cook, the old, tired menu. And he's getting course after course and he's wondering, you know, what is this bullshit? And so we're thinking, well, what is John Favreau doing? He's cooking this up. Somehow these two are going to come together. He's going to invite the guy back to his place to cook for him or he's going to show up at the restaurant with this food that he's just cooked. He's obviously, he's passionate. He's making this food as best as he possibly can. And then he calls the restaurant and it's just when the food critic is about to leave and he says, don't let him leave. Don't let him leave. And he pulls up and he shows up and you might think, that showing up at the restaurant, he would mention that he had just made this completely different menu that would no doubt blow this guy's socks off. You might think that he would have some of it with him. Maybe he brought a Tupperware with this meal in it. Or maybe he took pictures of it and was going to invite the food critic back. No, instead he shows up and he just starts railing on the food critic about the terrible scathing piece that he wrote about John Favreau's cooking. Completely ignoring the fact that we've just seen him crank out this incredible meal. 
I guess he just needed to blow off some steam, and then he went back and talked about something that had absolutely nothing to do with it, ignored any uh, any opportunity to salvage the situation, and goes completely ballistic off his rocker. Uh, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And, you know, how hard is it to make a movie where things add up? You know what it requires? It requires a person of some intelligence and dignity and taste who isn't sucking corporate cock to sit down and watch the movie in its entirety and then say, that doesn't really make sense. That character wouldn't do that. That doesn't really make sense. That character doesn't do that. But no one has the full picture in their mind. The entire thing is fragmented into little montages and bullshit scenes that they've all decided are the perfect scenes that they want to get into the movie. And the thing is just a gross, disgusting conglomeration of these pieces of shit that they call a film. That's not a movie. That's not a movie. It's an advertisement. There's actually, in the movie a movie made by the boy in the movie who takes a one-second video every day of their trip, and then he puts it all together into a movie. That's basically what what this is, except it's not nearly as sequential or heartwarming or heartfelt or emotional or real as the thing that the kid made. So don't go see that movie. And please, please don't forget that Twitter and Facebook and Vine and YouTube are all companies trying to make money and they don't have your best interests in mind and they aren't just part of life. They're companies that have managed to become widely used and the way that they make money is by selling you things. By selling you things. And selling information about you. Okay, so let's not forget that. Well, well, well. Here we are at the end of another episode. Thank you, my dear friends, for tuning in today and listening to this little nugget. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for me or comments about the show, please send an email to gaberobertsart at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. You can find out how to do that. You do it basically through the iTunes store. Um, I think there's a link on the support page of gaberobertsart.com. That would be much appreciated. Uh, thank you very much for your attention. I'm going to leave you with a song. It's kind of an upbeat song. This is called Big Sur. It's by Mason Jennings. 
my cover is a bit of an abbreviated version of the song because the second half of the song involves like rubbing a beer bottle up and down the guitar screen strings and you really have to just be a little better at guitar than I am to pull this off. So anyway, uh, here's the song. Thanks everybody. Next time I speak to you, I will be in Colorado and I will shoot some mountain air through the microphone into your ears. God bless you. Happy Memorial Day. Ciao. Just let the disc play. This is a song to give you hope. I wouldn't have it any other way. This is a song to give you hope. When you say, honey, I'm afraid to sleep at night. Sleep at night. Honey, I'm afraid to sleep at night. Sleep at night. Said, I wish I had my arms around you. This is a song to give you hope. Just let this thing surround you. This is a song to give you hope When you say, honey, I'm afraid to sleep at night Sleep at night Honey, I'm afraid to leave tonight Leave tonight I said, go Go on tonight I love you truly, but go Go on Get a jump on the finer things This is a song to give you hope You never know what the past will bring you This is a song to give you hope When you say, honey, I'm afraid To sleep at night, sleep at night Honey, I'm afraid to leave tonight Leave tonight I said go, go on tonight, I love you truly, but go, go on 